seat but don't sit in it because uh, we're going to get started with a song so if you guys want to just sing with us this is uh, this is amazing grace the power sit in darkness 
Hallelujah. That amazing grace, guys. I pray this morning that if you have never sampled that grace that God gives, that this day will be the day. Amen? Amen. For those of us who have, it is amazing. And we can sing a song like that with joy in our hearts, not because we're in church, but because he's in the church. Amen? Hallelujah. Give God glory one more time. Amen. Father God, I come before you this morning. I thank you for, it's already been an incredible Sunday school service this morning, Lord God. I I feel as though you were moving there. I heard the kids laughing and playing out on the playground, the fellowship. God, it's been a great day in your house already. And I look forward to what you're going to do here now, Lord God. Whether it be through song, whether it be through the message, through the scripture reading, whatever it may be, I pray that each one of us in this place individually will hear the word that we need to hear. And it be from you. Father, may you speak to us through a hug, a handshake, a song, I don't know. But may we truly, truly just open our hearts to what you have to say. And may you look down from heaven and with a smile on your face, say those are my people down there worshiping in Sutherland Springs. And those are not only my people, but I love them, I care for them, and I will do and be with them for always. Lord, we just give you all praise, honor, and glory for that promise. We thank you for who you are and ask your anointing to fall upon us. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. It's good seeing everybody this morning. I praise the Lord for each one of you. There's uh, quite a few that are out ill and or traveling. We need to remember them in our prayers. But in the meantime, walk around a little bit, shake somebody's hand, give them a hug. Just tell them it's good to see them in God's house this morning. Amen? Amen. Oh, I get my hugs early. Two, three, four. Go tell it all over the fields and everywhere. Go tell it on the that Jesus Christ is born. My shepherds kept their watching. Oh, silent lots by night. Show the holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the Savior's word. Oh, tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go, tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. Now in a lowly manger, the humble Christ was born. And brought us God's salvation, that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain, that Jesus Christ is born. Go tell it on the mountain, over and everywhere go down it on the mountain 
go tell it all the Come on and join us. As you take your seats. Jesus Christ is born. He's right there in the aisle. Okay. Got just a few announcements this morning. Are oh, you coming to do these with me too? I have a friend this morning. Okay. Um, just a few announcements. Let me just say too, I hope and pray that you had a great Thanksgiving this past week. We, here at the church, we gathered up here at the church. We had a full house. I forgot the number of people. It was over 100 folks, but we came, we we ate, and we had t- games, and then we ate, and then we watched football, and we ate, and and that eating part just seemed to continually go on. But uh, we had a great time, great fellowship. I prayed you did as well, wherever you were able to celebrate. But the primary thing is to remember what we give thanks for, and that's the blessings that Jesus Christ has given us. Amen? And I'm looking all over, but I don't even see her mom. Is her mom here? Michelle, are you here? I heard her voice, wherever that was. <laughs> Okay, just want to make sure where you were since I have a friend. <laughs> okay, the, um, the other thing, this coming, just a couple more things. This Thursday night, as you know, we normally have dinner and Bible study on Thursday night. This coming week, or this coming Thursday, we're still going to have dinner at 6 o'clock. However, Charles Billingsley is going to be performing a concert over here at 7. I want to encourage you to come and eat and fellowship, and then we're going to immediately move over here. Charles Billings, if you didn't know, used to be the worship leader for David Jeremiah in his church, and he's gone out on his own, and he is going to be here presenting a Christmas presentation to the church. So I want to encourage you to be here Thursday night. Then next Sunday, tonight, we have our Ezekiel class. We're in Ezekiel chapter 10, but next Sunday evening, uh, the Steel Magnolias will be here singing. So a couple of different concerts coming up. Six o'clock, thir- excuse me, six o'clock's dinner Thursday. Seven o'clock is Charles Billingsley. Sunday night will be at six o'clock. The, the Steel Magnolias will be here singing as well. So I want to encourage you to come and, and be a part of that. And I believe that's all I was going to share. I'm going to ask Sherry Kay to come on up and she's going to share something with you. You want to come down with me? Um, Today is the kickoff for the Lottie Moon offering, and so I just wanted to share a couple things with you about Lottie Moon, Um, if I can see. Had to steal these back from David. (laughs) So 10 things you should know about Lottie Moon. Lottie was born in Virginia on December 12, 1840. Her name was Charlotte Diggs Moon, but everyone called her Lottie. She was four foot, nine inches tall. Yay! Before she became a Christian, while in high school, Lottie missed required chapels 26 times. Lottie loved to pull pranks on others. Once, when asked what the D stood for in her middle name, she replied, devil. Lottie was appointed to China as a missionary at the age of 33 and served 39 years primarily in Tenchao in Pingtu. She wore Chinese clothes and lived like her Chinese neighbors. Lottie had several nicknames in China, foreign devil, foreign lady teacher, heavenly book visitor, 
and the cookie maker, Lottie baked cookies to win the hearts of the children and families who were frightened of her. Lottie led the campaign to end the practice of bound feet. The Chinese believed small feet made a woman more beautiful, so the girl's feet were bound tightly with cloth. Girls with bound feet could hardly walk, and infections, gangrene, and even death were common side effects of this practice. In 1912, at the end of her career, famine, flood, and war encircled China. Her friends were starving. In the final act of empathy, Lottie stopped eating and gave all her food away. When her friends realized the depth of her sickness, they put her on a boat to return to the United States. Lottie died on Christmas Eve while en route to the U.S. So why the Lottie, why the Christmas offering is named for Lottie? While living in China, Lottie wrote letters to Foreign Mission Board, now the International Mission Board, and to Baptist women. She asked for more missionaries and for money to grow her work among the Chinese. Because of Lottie's determination, the WME, which is the Women's Missionary Union, collected Christmas offerings to give to Foreign Missions Board. In 1919, Annie Armstrong suggested that the offering should be named for Lottie Moon. Today, we still give to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering in honor of her work and sacrifice to keep our missionaries on the field. 100% of the offering goes to missionaries, not to administration. Uh, Lottie's own words about the Christmas offering, need it be said why the week before Christmas is chosen is not the festive season when families and friends exchange gifts in memory of the gift laid on the altar of the world for the redemption of the human race. The most appropriate time to consecrate a portion from abounding riches and scant poverty to send forth to the goods, tidings, and great joy in all the earth. The overall goal for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering for 2019, okay, I'm going to read that, I get it, $165 The Christmas, Lottie Moon Christmas offering theme is, I saw a great multitude from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne. That's Revelations 7, 9. So our goal as a church, what we set as 1,500, and this is our little, how we're going to keep track of where we're at. Every, time, every Sunday this is going to be posted to show where we're at. And then when we hit our goal, which I know we're going to do because we're a giving church, praise God. I'm going to put that there. So if you're going to give a... We do not have Lottie Moon envelopes, so if you want to use an envelope, if you would just designate, write Lottie Moon on it. Or in the memo, if you're going to write a check, write Lottie Moon. And also today starts the beginning of a month of prayer for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And these are out at the front if you want to pick one of these and pray along with us about the Lottie Moon offering. Thank you. Amen. So if you have any questions about Lottie Moon, make sure you get with Sherry Kay afterwards. She can answer all your questions now that she is a professional on this, right? 
Now, seriously, if you'd like to, this is a special love offering we take up this time of the year to help our international mission board. I want to encourage you to help us attain the goal that we've set forth here in our church so that we can then, therefore, group with other churches to help attain that goal to keep these missionaries out and about and around this earth sharing the gospel. That's what we've been called to do is go forth and share the gospel. We personally may not be able to go, but God's given us those directives to be able to help those who can. Amen? All right, Brother John. John is going to come up and do a quick script. There he is, scripture reading for us this morning. Father God, I do lift up my brother to you, Lord, as he is stepping up here to share what you've laid on his heart. Uh, God, I just pray that you give him a peace about what he's doing now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, John. Hi. I'm going to try it Good morning. Okay, the scripture I had today is uh, out of the book of Matthew, chapter 22, uh, starting in verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test Jesus. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to them, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets depend on these two commands. And I'd like to skip down to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak human angelic or angelic languages but do not have love, I'm a sounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but I do not have love, I am nothing. And if I donate all my goods to feed feed the poor, and if I give my body in order to boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, is not boastful, is not conceited, does not act improperly, is not selfish, is not provoked, does not keep a record of wrongs. Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends, but as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for languages, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but... When, when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see in, indistinctly, as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Then I have one more, Romans 8, 28. And this was one that, uh, for those of y'all that knew my dad, this was one of his main uh, ones that he he liked to live by. Uh, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. So do we love God 
and are we called according to his purpose? I just want to thank you all for uh, giving me the opportunity to, to uh, uh, read this today, and uh, let's go ahead and uh, close in prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this time that we have to worship you and to, to hear what you've uh, prepared for us. We, uh, we lift up Brother Chris and the band, and we ask that you would uh, please continue to guide them and, uh, and uh, use them in your kingdom, in your service, in a mighty and powerful way. And we lift up Pastor Frank as he brings the message. We want to thank you uh, for the message that he's going to bring, and we ask that you would just give it to him, give him the words to say. And uh, we ask that you would continue to guide us through this day and this week ahead. And we thank you for all your many blessings. And we ask that you would uh, help us see in our hearts where we, uh, you know, where we need to you know, Im- improve our love. And, and we ask that you would uh, continue to use us in your kingdom according to your will. We thank you for all your many blessings. And we praise your glorious name above all names. In the name of Jesus, for yours is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. So on uh, this past Friday morning, my five-year-old daughter comes running into our room and uh, jumps on the bed and says, Mommy, Daddy, Mommy, Daddy, it's Christmas. Because apparently at some point we had told Evie that Christmas comes after Thanksgiving. (laughs) She was ready for it the next day. (laughs) But but that being said, uh, it is December, and that that it is now December, we can now start singing some Christmas-themed songs. So we're going to sing a few this morning. Uh, Hopefully you'll enjoy these. Uh, We're going to start off with Angels We Have Heard on High. Angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains, and the mountains in reply, echoing their joyous strains. Come adore on bended knee, 
Christ the Lord, the new
more than food. More than football. It's more than going home. More than time off. More than shopping. It's about giving thanks that you don't have feathers. I thought it was cute. <laughs> If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. I started out with this funny video this morning to somewhat counter some of the, the tension that I'm afraid that today's sermon may bring. As I sat and I prayed this week about what it was I was supposed to bring forth today, as I was t thinking about what God was laying on my heart, I kept on praying because I felt like that the sermon today may even make several, may even make some of us angry somewhat about what I'm going to present today. However, as I was praying about it, I also feel as though that if you do get angry, if there's something that I say here, I pray that you will hear me out throughout the message today, but yet if it is something that makes you angry that what I feel as though God's laid in my heart, understand that you'll have to take that up with God because it's red letter. It's Jesus speaking it to us whether we really like it or not. It's something that we need to understand and it's about priorities and things in our life. As we are heading in to this season, as, as uh, Chris very eloquently presented just a few moments ago, we are moving into the December. Now you could say it started back at the end of October with the fall festival, but however way you want to put it there, we're moving into that season where many of us, many of you, will be moving out and, and walking into to issues that sometimes we think we're the only ones. We start thinking, well, nobody else has to deal this with this, yet I would submit to you this morning... I would submit to you this morning that all of us who have walked in the faith, who hold our faith strong, who, who dearly cling to our faith, have had to face this at one time or another. But as we head into this time of year, into this season, we are going to encounter people, we're going to encounter friends, we're going to encounter relatives that do not think like we do. We are going to interact with people who look at Christmas in a more materialistic way than a spiritual way. We're going to look at, we're going to come across people who are going to look at how they can be militant against our faith, how we, how they can attack us, how they can move and, and hurt us in one way or another because we choose to stand on our faith. In Mark chapter 3 this morning, I want to share a passage of scripture with you starting in verse 20. <coughs> Excuse me. Then he went home again, and the crowd gathered again to see that they were not even able to eat. When his family heard this, they set out to restrain him, because they said, he's out of his mind. The scribes who had come down from Jerusalem said, he has Beelzebub in him, and he drives out demons by the rulers of the demons. So he summoned them and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If it is a kingdom, it's divided against itself. That kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself... That house cannot stand. And if Satan rebels against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but it is finished. On the other hand, 
No one can enter a strong man's house and rob his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man. Then he will rob his house. I assure you, people will be forgiven for all their sins and whatever blasphemies they, they excuse me, but I assure you, people will be forgiven all their sins and whatever blasphemies they may blaspheme. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So he's been preaching to the church here. He's sharing the spiritual message. He's sharing what God's laid on his heart, God the Father. And then he says, then this happens. Then his mother and his brothers come. And standing outside, they send word to him and called him. A crowd was sitting around him and he told them, Look, your mother, your brothers, and your sisters are outside asking for you. And he replied to them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about those who were sitting in a circle around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God is my brother, my sister, and my mother. The question that I would pose to you this morning is does our family values match Jesus' family values? Do we stand in the same place? We often talk about the church being a family. And that, that all sounds sweet and, and fluffy until we read a passage like we did today in, in the gospel. It sounds great until you get to something like this. Given a choice between those who share his genes and those who share his faith, Jesus points to the crowd of people that he's been preaching to right here, and he says, here are my mother, here is my sister, here is my brother. Whoever does the will of God is my mother, my sister, and my brother. He said, this is my family. Now, for those who have been treated poorly, have been treated badly by their family, for those whose husbands have have abandoned them, for those whose parents have abused them, that's a great thing. That's good news. We can praise God. It's like, wow, I I can have a real family finally. Here's a new family based not on mistreatment or abuse, but on God's love. Here's a family that, 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 that shows love and acceptance for who I am, a love and acceptance that though we do it inadequately, we try to show to one another. That is a church family. Families are meant to be there for one another. And if that's true of human families, how much more should that be true about our spiritual family, about our church family? Now, of course, we are, we, we are fallen, fallible failures often all times that we don't live up to all the ideals of Scripture. But praise God that as a church family, we try. We try to uphold one another. We try to be there for one another. We try to strengthen one another. We are here for one another. We are children of God trying to hold up what he has called us to do. That is a wonderful thing. The church can be a family for those who have no family. When they feel bereaved, when they feel lonely, when they feel abandoned, that that person who feels abused, the church is that family for someone who has no family. I love sharing testimonies with people about how the church has, has stepped in from anything from the smaller things like someone doesn't have anywhere to spend Christmas, so they go spend Christmas with a Christian brother or sister to the bigger things to where people are having to put much more time and commitment because a family is hurting and in pain and in anguish. I love sharing those testimonies of what the church family can do and what it has done and how it does it. That is a church family and I praise God for that. I do. We love to hear those kinds of stories. It makes us feel good. It's encouraging. It's good news. Hallelujah. The church can be a family for those that have no family. Huzzah! Praise God! That's that's a lovely thing. But guess what, guys? That's not the context Jesus was saying here. 
The church can be the family. And we have those enthusiastic testimonies we can share. But that's not what Jesus is saying here. The context of what Jesus is presenting to you and I in Mark chapter 3 is a concept that's hard for us to put our mind around. Jesus is having a row with his family. Before he even starts talking about the house being divided amongst itself, if you notice that his wife, excuse me, his mom out there and, and brothers was already saying he's gone off in his head. He's gone too deep into this Christianity thing. He's gone too deep into this faith thing. They're they're, they're getting upset with him and he's having this row with his blood relatives. They're saying, you're taking this faith thing way too far, Jesus. You need to come out here. You need to come home with us. You need to to, to realign things. You need to think this through just a little bit better. You've carried this Christianity thing. You've carried this faith thing way further than we intended to carry it. And Jesus lets them know in no uncertain terms who his true family is. He sits there, and it's not those who share his blood. It is those who share his faith. He looks out amongst the congregation that's gathered around him. They say, your mom, your your brothers, your sisters are all outside. They're waiting on you. They're telling you you need to come out. Now, I understand. I agree this is uncomfortable for us. It's uncomfortable for me. But let me ask you this question. If you had to choose between a, a relative's birthday brunch or go to church, what would you choose? What, what would Jesus' answer be? And here's the thing, guys. Oftentimes, we don't like the answer Jesus gives because we know what kind of pressure is going to come on if I choose church over that blood relative's lunch. If I choose to do what the family of God has asked me to do. Folks, you and I have things that are self-evident. We have things that that we just think that this is the way it is. And we do certain things for relatives that, of course, our blood relatives are a priority. God, Jesus never says that they're not a priority. Jesus never says that I don't care for them anymore. No, he's listing off his priorities to, to you and I so that we can take this example. Jesus is putting it out there so that you and I can see that Jesus is going to challenge our certainties. I'm not real comfortable with this either, but it's Jesus' words. And what we need to see in Jesus' words is that we are to put God as the priority all the time. That he is priority regardless of who's calling our time. Who, where do our first priorities lie? It, who is our true family? Jesus points to the congregation. They said, your, your family outside is calling you. And he said, no, those who do the will of God my Father, those are my family. Those are hard words for us because not only does it go counterintuitive to what we've been raised sometimes, but we also, that we know that people aren't going to like that answer. People are going to start looking at us saying, well, you're just getting a little over holier than thou, aren't you? You're just getting a little self-righteous going on. Now, praise God, some of us have families who share the faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In the end, Jesus' mother stood at the cross and prayed with the apostles from Easter to, to I mean, excuse, yeah, from Easter to Pentecost. She was, she was right there. She understood. In the end, Jesus' brother Joseph, he, he became so committed to Christianity. He was the first bishop of the church there in, in Jerusalem. For some of us, our family share our faith. And hallelujah, praise God, that makes it so much easier. It is so much easier when our family comes to know the same Christ that we know, when they put their faith commitment into the same place that we put ours, it makes life a whole lot easier, but it's not always that way. 
Most of the time, oftentimes, we find ourselves in the same position Jesus is in here rather than post-Easter. Our family's out there saying, you need to come out of that church and come over here. You need to leave that faith thing alone. You're carrying this way too far. You need to rethink this a little bit. You need to come out here. You may have children who you, you brought dutifully to church and Sunday school every day, and now as adults, they don't want anything to do with it. And it breaks your heart. They may, may respect you for your faith, and if they come over, they may come to church on Easter and Christmas just because, you know, you, you want them to. But this thing that's so important to you is not important to them at all. And that breaks our heart. And they say, well, Mom, Dad, we're gonna, let's go do this and let's go that. But I have church services today where I'm going to go to this. I'm gonna, oh, you do too much church. What parent doesn't want to spend time with their children? And when their children start saying, you need to choose me over church, that is heart-wrenching. But Jesus, when called out by his mother, whom we know that he loved, even on the cross, as bad as he was, he committed her into John's arms down there. He loved his mother. But when it came to being what God told him to do and what his mom was asking him to do, who is my mother? Those that do the will of my father. This is a story about prioritizing. Where do our priorities lie? To make a stand for Christianity is not an easy thing sometimes. I still remember when I, when I finally got my life in order and started living for the Lord, I was working with a very hard lot of men. We, we worked hard, we partied hard, we fought hard. There's some, lots of memories in there. It was a hard lot. And when I said that I'm going to start living for Christ, that God got a hold of me, it was not going to be easy. However, there was a man who worked with me Actually, he worked in the office now. He kind of aged out of the field, per se. But he had, already, he had done that. He had started living for Christ. He had started living for the Lord. And, and the guys would give him a hard time. And they'd, they'd use some derivative terms, you know, derogatory terms and such. But he still, because of who he had been and because of his stance in the faith, they still respected him. And there were times when I'd start to get angry and start to lose my temper and slide back into the, the man I used to be. He would walk up. He was a big man. And he'd put his arm around me and he'd say, son, what would Jesus do? And that would slap me back into reality. Well, years go by and he's, I'm not even sure I would be where I am today or if I had not met Brother Jesse who became my mentor. I'm not sure I would be here today if it wasn't for that man. But years go by and I go back and I find out that he had walked away from his faith. And I went to him and I shared with him and I testified to him how he had been such an example for me when I had come back into this. And he looked to the ground, which was very rare for him, but he looked down and he said, Frank, I've just walked away from it. And I share that story for this because that broke my heart to hear that Ron had walked away from what he had stood so strongly for amongst a lot of men it was hard to do. He had given so much to walk away from it. If, they, if that broke my heart that much, how much more does it break our hearts when our family walks away as well? Or when our family puts these, these, these ultimatums out there. You either come here and leave church or we're going to go do this without you. We, we, that church thing you're doing, that's just way over the top. You, know, why, you just think you're better than everybody else. All those cliches. All those things that get thrown out there. C.S. Lewis said very famously, God has no grandchildren. You know what that means? 
I can't be responsible for my children. I can't be responsible for my mom. I can't be responsible for my father. I can't be responsible for my siblings. Only one I can be responsible for is me. And even though I love my children and I love those who may try to call me out and say, you need to come out of that church life. You need to walk away from that faith. You're clinging too hard to your Bible. Even though I may love them with all my heart, I have to stop and make a decision. I can't choose for them. But as for me, I choose to serve the Lord. That is a hard priority. What I'm saying here this morning is not easy. And I don't think, even when Jesus said it, when he pointed out to that congregation and he said, these who are doing the will of my father are my brothers and sisters, I know there was a little piece of his heart inside that was breaking because he knew his mom and his brothers outside. And they were calling him out. But he also knew that his priority was to do the will of the Father. Now the good news of this Bible passage this morning, praise God, is that Jesus' family doesn't stay where they were. Amen? They don't stay where they were. In the end, they came to embrace the same faith that Jesus had. And guys, I would share with you this morning that they came to embrace that faith because... Not because he watered down in the Bible or not because he pandered to them. They came to embrace what he believed in because he stood so uncompromisingly to show the importance of the values of his values that he held. That, that he was so into to understanding what God the Father was and presenting it to them that they said, man, if it's that important to him, that even after the ultimatums, even after the name calling, even after all the things that we put out there, because I know he loves me. I'm sure his mom said, I know he loves me. I've, I've seen it in his eyes. I know he loves me. But if he still says that he chooses to do the will of the Father, if he still says he must preach and go to these church services instead, then there must be something in the words that he has to speak. And praise God, his family came to know who, Christ, who knew God was through Christ. They came to know it because they saw his commitment to carry out the task all the way to the point of death for you and I. Folks, we will reach our families not by acquiescing to them, but by standing firm in the scriptures and in the word of God and letting them see God in us. If we really want to to reach our families, and, and guys, this Christmas season, yes, that's when that happens the most, but this is also the best time to reach them. The reason of the season, as the cliche goes, the whole thing about Christmas is the birth of our Savior. It's not about deals. It's not about presents. It's not about unwrapping presents. It's about the greatest gift given to mankind, and that was Jesus Christ. And what better time to witness for him than at his, the day we celebrate his birth? And how do we witness him? By standing upon conviction. Have that internal character, that, 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 that decision within our hearts to purpose ourselves to make a stand for him even when those whom we may love outside are saying you've taken it too far you need to walk away if we want our blood family to share our faith the best thing we can do is to make our faith family a a a true and radical family and community that they would say i want what you have i'm I'm walking around i open presents and and yeah i got a little bit of joy but Why are you so joyful? Even after I gave you the ultimatum, you're still joyful. Even after I said you were holier than thou, after I said that you were this or you were that, even after you had to sit and miss this and miss that, you are still joyful and you're still happy. 
Why is that? Because my joy is not from the outside, it's from the inside. And you can have it too. When people see that radical kind of conviction, when they see a joy in your song and a spring in your step, when they see that you've got something that they don't have, they're going to say, man, if taking it too far means I get to be joyful, then maybe I should take it too far as well. Rather than getting upset when those ultimatums are given. Rather than taking the name calling and and saying, well, they're saying I'm holier than thou and it breaks my heart. Rather than hearing, well, you're a Jesus freak and and thinking, well, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Rather than hearing you're a Bible thumper and saying, maybe I need to put the book down. Maybe you need to take all that in and say, you know, they did that for Jesus, but yet he chose to carry it out, the plan onto the cross. Even in the midst of they were still yet sinners, he died on that cross for you and me. You're in good company when you start getting called names. When you start getting told that you're holier than thou, when you start getting that, well, uh, you're this or you're that, you need to walk away from that church. Even Pilate looked at him and said, don't you realize I have the capability to save your life or take it? But what did Jesus say? He looked at him and said, you have no authority given unto you but what was given to you by my father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Guys, it is a hard thing this morning. It is a hard decision that has to be made sometimes. But when there are those whom we love that says you must choose between Christ and them, when they say that you have to choose to walk away from the church, to walk into their relationship, you have to make a choice. And that priority is laid on your shoulders. It may not be fair, It may not be fair that they're issuing that to you, but the choice has still been presented and Jesus has given you the capability to make the choice and now your family and Jesus are both looking on and you have to decide where does my priorities lie. I love my children. I guarantee you that all my children will tell you that I love them. Even when they're angry with me, which is quite often, even when they're angry with me, they know I love them. My grandbabies know I love them. But all my children will tell you that God is first with my dad. Folks, we have to choose. And if there are those within our families that makes that choice difficult, then I would call you back to Mark chapter 3 when Jesus was called out in front of all those people. They didn't come whisper in his ear, oh, your mom and brother and sister's outside wanting you. They came in and said, your family says you need to leave. He couldn't just quietly, secretly tell them to, oh, wait on, I got five more minutes here. He was called out in front of everybody. And Jesus had to make a decision. We don't think about that sometimes. Remember, he's a man. It didn't just naturally happen. He had to choose. And he thought for a second, and he said, who is my family? And he points out there, my brother, my brother, my sister, my family is here. Those who do the will of my father are my family. And I would submit to you this morning. I told Sherry just a few moments ago, it's a a short message this morning with a powerful meaning.
I don't need to run, as my brother points out, I don't need to run this tra- horse around this track 15 times, right? <laughs> he told me the other day, well, he told y'all that he's a thoroughbred. He, he just, he, or he's a quarter horse. He runs one lap around. <laughs> Here's the deal, guys. This Christmas season, and you may already have it coming up in your head, who's going to call you names? You may already have it in your head who's going to say you're holier than thou. You may already have heard it through Thanksgiving. Whatever it is that you have reverberating in your mind right now, whomever it is that God has put forth, remember that my God said that he is with you always. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, you're never alone. When you choose Christ... You choose life. Our priorities this morning need to be laid out. The bottom line this holiday season is that we need to be a people who choose to live out our lives with conviction, who choose to live out the path that God has put before us, to choose to take the the pathway that's placed before us, and we choose to walk with Jesus. For when we choose to walk with conviction when we choose to continually stand for him in all that we say and do, when we choose to continue to focus on what he is, when we choose, Lord, not my will, but thine be done, it may hurt. There may be heartache involved, but victory comes in the morning. Folks, this morning... I'm going to ask you to now, before the season actually is upon us, to purpose in your heart. And when they throw out those who you hold dear to you, throw out those false accusations, when they call you prideful, whatever it may be, Jesus humbled himself to the point of death for our redemption while they called him those names. And then he still looked down and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I would submit to you this morning that if your family or friends or whomever it is are calling those names out, lift them up in prayer. Right then, maybe that evening, whatever it is, get on your knees and say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do and give me the strength to continue to stand for you in their presence. You really want to win those folks over to Christ? Jesus said, lift up my name and I draw all men onto myself. You lift up his name by choosing to make him priority in your life. Now, I'm not, don't go out of here and call your kids and say, Pastor, I don't have to come over this year. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. And don't get me in the midst of that. But what I am saying is, make God your priority. And say, God, what would you have me to do? And he may tell you, I need you to go and be a part of this right here because I need your witness in the midst of this. Or he may say, I need you to stand firm with this right here so they can see that it is I who hold the cards and not they. The primary thing is make God your priority. Make him the one you seek answers from, where you go to in prayer. And guys, you can't do that on your own strength. But through Christ Jesus, all things I can do all things. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it is going to be an even more difficult task because you're going to sit there wanting to do what's right, but not empowered to carry it out. This morning, 
If you truly want to be what God has called you to be, then you first have to accept him as your Lord and Savior. You see, he that knew no sin became our sin. And that's what Jesus was trying to tell them. They said, oh, you're of Satan. You're just from Satan's house. And Jesus said, no, a house divided cannot stand. I am the son of God. And he that knew no sin, for the wages of sin is death, and all of us have fallen short of the glory of God. The only way for the remission of sin is the shedding of blood. So therefore his blood that knew no sin had to be nailed to a tree so that that sacrifice once and for all could be made for all of us. But he said, whomsoever believe that I am the son of God and I rose again on the third day, so shall they be saved. Here's the thing, guys. That blood that was spilt that day, Jesus, again, made a choice. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if there's any other way, but yet not my will, thine be done. And he carried out the plan of redemption. And three days later, he arose. Folks, this morning, he arose to tell you that whomsoever believeth in me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't go into another Christmas season not knowing what you're celebrating. You can have the prettiest tree on your street and it's not going to get you into heaven. You can buy the most expensive gifts for everyone in your family and it's not going to get you into heaven. You can drive the nicest car and, and give it to the, the first guy standing on the corner and say, it's all yours. That's not going to get you into heaven. You can sing all the Christmas carols there are and, and then make some up. Not going to get you into heaven. If you really want to celebrate Christmas then you celebrate it the most, not by singing carols and going to church. You sing it the most by saying, Father God, I am a sinner in need of your grace. Let that grace move into your life and into your heart and then tell others, I profess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And as you profess that before others, they're going to say, you? I know who you are. I can say, yeah, but my God knew me better and he chose to die for me anyway. And as you profess God before others, Jesus said, I'll profess you before my Father. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's first and foremost. Get that decision right. You can come down to this altar. You can pray right where you're at. You just say, you, I don't know, you don't just say it. You got to mean it with your heart. But you let the Lord know that I, I realize I am a sinner in need of your grace, Lord. Please come in and wash me, cleanse me, and make me whole. And I want you to be the Lord of my life. And folks, that's when he is going to move in and your life's going to start to change. Because you're going to repent. You're going to turn from the way you were. And you're going to come in and lock arms with him and become a new creation. Now, if you do know him this morning and you got those folks in your life that's making life difficult, you're not alone. You're not alone. You're not alone. When Elijah said, Lord, just take me home. I'm the last one. Elijah said, get up and quit whining. There's 5,000 more of you down at the bottom of the hill. We're not alone. And my God loves you. Make that stand. Stand for the word. Stand on that conviction. Jesus, when asked, who is your, who is my, when he put forth, who is my family? Where is my mother, my brother, my sisters? Those who do the will of the Father is my mother, my brother, and my sisters.
Where are you this morning? Let's all stand. I want to lead you in a, in a word of prayer. The guys will come and sing, and you're welcome to come to this altar. Maybe you want to take that passage of Scripture home and look it over again, see if I missed something in there. Again, Jesus is not saying that your family is not a priority. But God is the priority. The priority. Father God, I come before you this morning and I thank you for this opportunity we have to gather together. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus that you will just walk with us and talk with us right now in this time of invitation. May you move out and touch your people. And may we follow through with whatever it is you are calling us to follow through with. May we truly, truly, truly lean upon you and accept you for who you are. If there's someone here today that does not know you, if there's someone here today that that needs to lean upon you, if there's someone today that just has been in that position and they're broken and you need to just move in there and let them know that you're going to heal them and you're going to move in them, Father, be that healer. Be that savior. Be that one who shares the grace with those who need grace. Be with those who need that mercy. God, may we not leave out of here today thinking that we're we're fighting a battle alone. Help us be what you've called us to be, Lord. And may we give you all praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we play this morning, as we sing, if God's telling you to step out, step out. If he's saying come to this altar, come to this altar. If he's saying get on your knees and pray, get on your knees. If he's saying you cross over and pray with a brother or sister, do that. But let's make sure he's our priority as we go into this Christmas season this morning. Chris.
God never stops. You may leave here thinking, hey, I'm going to go get lunch. I hope it doesn't taste good if you didn't deal with whatever God's got in your life. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Do what the Lord's laid on your heart to do. Make him your priority. And if you do that, that lunch will taste ten times better, I promise. Amen. And Dr. Wesley will pay for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Amen. Guys, I praise the Lord for each one of you. Before we leave out of here this morning, as, as you, you guys know, the Warren family up here, Brother Warren's been filling the pulpit for me and such. He's, this family has been many years at, at their previous church, and uh, Brother Warren came and talked to me, and they, they, they are come up this morning as well. And he said he told his daughter that she had to make up her own decision. And, and she came this morning. They know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. They've been baptized, all three of them, by the blood of the Lamb and watered to profess to the world who their Savior is. And they said God has called them to move their membership and join in with us here at First Baptist Southern I think they accept you, brother. <laughs> Amen. Some of y'all may have thought they were already members. I, I just, I just, he, he jumps in there when I need him. God's really blessed me with uh, this pastor and just been. Brother. <laughs> And I'll say, and his daughter made me breakfast yesterday. That was pretty good too. So we're going to put them to work. <laughs> Amen. Guys, I want you all to come up and give them a hug and welcome them to the family. And, and guys, leave out here today. This is the Christmas season. And I hope the message wasn't a downer as much as it makes us understand. Jesus is our priority. And when we make him a priority in our lives, we can go to bed and sleep well at night regardless of the names people call us. We can walk with conviction. We can walk with direction. We can walk with what we know to be true and what we know to be right because we're following a God who showed us, who has shown us what is true and what is right. Amen? Praise the Lord for each one of you. Keep looking up, guys. And guys, no matter what, keep Jesus number one. Amen? Amen. Brother Warren, will you close us in prayer this morning, my brother?
mountain, over the hills and everywhere go. Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Shepherds kept their watching, oh silent hearts by night. Hold throughout the heavens, there showed a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled with low above the earth. Bring out the angel for us that hailed our Savior's birth. That Jesus Christ is born in a lonely manger, the humble Christ was born and brought us God's salvation. That blessed Christmas